Turtles All the Way Down is the acclaimed number one bestseller by John Green, author of Anthropocene Reviewed and The Fault in Our Stars. Turtles All the Way Down is now streaming on Max. NPR called the novel a sometimes heartbreaking, always illuminating glimpse into how it feels to live with mental illness. Azah Holmes never intended to pursue the disappearance of fugitive billionaire Russell Pickett, but there's a $100,000 reward at stake and her best and most fearless friend Daisy is eager to investigate. So together, they navigate the short distance and broad divides that separate them from Pickett's son, Davis. Azah is trying. She is trying to be a good daughter, a good friend, a good student, and maybe even a good detective, while also living within the ever-tightening spiral of her own thoughts. Turtles All the Way Down is a brilliant novel about love, resilience, and the power of lifelong friendship. Buy your copy of Turtles All the Way Down in stores today and catch the movie streaming on Max. Thank you, Turtles All the Way Down, for sponsoring today's episode of Morning Ray. I'm always talking about how it is possible to change your life by just focusing on getting 1% better every day, how the little things really do add up, and... That can be as small as integrating a new supplement into your day-to-day routine like Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It helps benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I personally have loved integrating Seed into my day-to-day routine. My digestion has never been better. I feel so much better and I truly notice a difference when I'm not taking it. When I take it consistently, I feel so much better. My digestion is better and I've never really experienced something like this from a probiotic so that's why I continually go back to seed and notice a difference when I stop taking it trust your gut with seeds ds01 daily symbiotic go to seed.com slash alana and use code 25 alana to get 25% off your first month that's 25% off your first month of seeds ds01 daily symbiotic at seed.com slash alana code 25 alana thank you seed for sponsoring today's episode of morning ray This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! (sniffs) And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! (sighs) Ah, smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is a Green Fresh Media production. Hello, good morning, angels, and welcome back to Morning Ray. I'm your host, Alana Lan, and today's episode is... A really exciting one. When am I not going to say that? I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Anyways, today's episode is really awesome. I have Kate Gleaven. I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. She is a New York-based TikToker. Um, absolutely love her. Discovered her in the summer. She's a Hoka girl. She definitely inspired me to try out running. She's definitely one of those girls that inspired me, one of the TikTokers that inspired me. Um, So you can thank her for inspiring me, um, which is pretty awesome. Absolutely love her. Love her for so many other reasons. Her tagline is men are fans, which we stan. We stan that tagline. Men are fans. Men are fans. Um, But anyhow, little life update is currently January 6th. We are seven months away exactly from my birthday. I have an obsession with the 6th lol um so it is january 6th it is a thursday we are recovered from covid um you can hear my voice is is much better much much better kind of missed the raspiness a little bit but much better voice feeling a-okay we're back in my condo in downtown toronto and back at work tested negative all the good stuff um what else? I was going to say something else, but now I can't remember. 
guess, as my father would say, if you can't remember, I guess it wasn't that important. Um, so it's January 6th. My handles are all at Alana Bloomberg, which is super, super exciting. Um, oh, and one of my YouTube videos, if you don't, if you're not subscribed to me on YouTube already, go check that out. Um, it's just Alana Bloomberg. Everything is just my name now. Um, has like picked up traction and I think it has like over 50,000 views right now. Let me check. Um, pretty much 56,000, which is really, really insane to me. Um, to put into perspective, lately I've been getting between 1,500 to 2,000 views on my videos. So really picked it up. It has 1,300 likes, almost 1,400. Quite insane to me. And we're almost at 10,000 subscribers. We're at currently, as we speak, 9,933, which is insane. My goal for 2021 was to hit 10K by 2022. I mean, we're six days in. We're getting there. I don't know what I'll do if we hit 10K. I feel like my little 12-year-old self is like crying and screaming of happiness right now. Like, I have wanted to do YouTube for so, so long. That was like the first platform I wanted to do. It was the second platform that I started. I did Instagram, then started YouTube on and off, did TikTok, started podcasts, continued doing YouTube on and off. Um, so this is really insane, like 10,000 people. Like I know like that's not a lot like on YouTube, but like just the fact that 10,000 people are subscribed to my YouTube channel, the channel that I've always wanted to have, and the thing I always wanted to do is really surreal. So thank you so much if you're listening to this and you watch my YouTube videos and you're subscribed. If you watch them and you're not subscribed, I know I'm definitely a culprit of doing this. Like if I see a link to a YouTube video, um, I really do try to subscribe, but make sure to check if you are subscribed as that's how you can really support the channel. Um, but Anyhow, so grateful for you guys as always. The podcast is also killing it. Like, so surreal. Like, the fact that people want to listen to me and watch me. And wow, just manifestation. Dreams are coming true. Pretty crazy. Um, let me know if you want a podcast episode on manifestation and like law of attraction. I think it's pretty crazy. And I really do think it does work. I really think it helps change your mindset and the actions you take in your day-to-day -day life and making the things come true. So definitely let me know on that front, but let's get into my weekly intention. My weekly intention is to, uh, I didn't really think of this to be honest, um, I'm currently doing Project 50, which is like a challenge. So I guess my weekly intention is to stick to that. Ah. Uh, I know what my weekly intention is. I'm currently reading two books. I'm reading Rich Man, Poor Man. No, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And um, Red, White, and Royal Blue. Super, super good. Rich Dad, Poor Dad is like an entrepreneurial money-focused book. And I'm doing that through the How the Fuck um, Instagram book club. It's run by the girls who started 437. Highly, highly recommend it. Love the book so far. And then Red, White, and Royal Blue is like a rom-com. I started reading it in the summer. I read about half of it and then I kind of like got distracted, started reading another book. I think I started reading Crazy Rich Asians because I had the physical copy and then I could read it by the pool, which was super helpful. Um, but currently reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and um, Red, White, and Royal Blue and my weekly intention is to continue reading daily. I've been loving it so much. And the tip that I'm going to give to you is if you are looking to read more is have your books on your iBooks. And that way when you're commuting, you can't like if you're on like public transit, like obviously if you're not driving, if you're driving, try like an audiobook, like on Audible. Um, but if you are like on the subway or if you are in an Uber or on the streetcar or the bus, whatever it is, you can read your book on your phone, which I used to always do. So I started doing that again. Or you can read it while doing 12, 3.30 on the treadmill. So multitasking because um, you're not walking anywhere. So you can read like on the treadmill. I put my phone like on the little holder and I read. And then also to get into bed a little bit early, instead of scrolling on your phone, you're going to pick up your book 
or your iPad or whatever you read on. I read on my iPad when I'm at home. Um, So pick that up and read like just like a few pages. I'm trying to read a minimum of 10 pages per day. Um, That's part of the Project 50 challenge that I'm doing. You can learn more about Project 50 either on my Instagram or on the State of Mind website. That's who created this challenge. It's called Project 50 by State of Mind. It's a really cool um, challenge. I haven't really been doing the new skill thing. Probably should do that, but I'm doing the other things, not being too um, hard on myself about it, just doing the best that I can by trying to move every day for at least an hour, whether it's a walk whether it's an actual like physical intensive workout like lifting or running. Um, Haven't gotten back into running since I was sick with COVID. I know I'm going on a tangent over here. But yes, weekly intention is to continue to read my books every single day. And then tip of the week is to have your books on iBooks and to read them while you're commuting because Instead of scrolling on your Instagram or your TikTok, um, you can listen to a podcast, you can listen to an audiobook, or you can read. Highly recommend the reading option. Um, and now on to my current faves. I'm currently very much obsessed with candles. I have a million and one candles in my apartment right now. Just got two new ones from Indigo. They were on sale for 40% off. Absolutely love candles. Got this stunning queen candle from Jacob and Sebastian. It smells so good. We might have talked about it last week. Also obsessed with my new candlestick holders. I got these on sale from CB2. They're stunning. They're gold. They're kind of like they were they were part of the holiday collection. Now that I'm thinking about it, they kind of look a little bit like Christmas trees, but like modern asymmetrical Christmas trees, but they're stunning. I have white tapered candlesticks in them and they're beside my TV. Absolutely stunning. Also obsessed with vintage um little pieces. I have these wavy like catch-all bowls. I have these um, white stone coasters from Turkey. Um, Lots of cool pieces and I plan to get more in the future Um, but absolutely loving decorating my apartment. I'm obsessed with that and I'm obsessed with the wild one chill AF cacao. Um, It's like an adaptogenic cacao. It's really calming before bed But anyhow, this intro is getting quite long. I'm running out of time and I'm going to end it here so we can bring Kate onto the pod. I hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe as that's how you can help support the pod. I love you guys so much and enjoy. So I'm here with Kate. Welcome to Morning Ray. Hello. Nice to chat. Yes. So nice to chat. So nice to be face-to-face virtually, digitally. Um... So for those who don't follow you, who are you, where are you from, and what is your zodiac sign? Ooh, good one. So I know nothing about zodiac signs, but I do know that I'm a Scorpio, so we'll start off there. Um, My name is Kate (laughs) Laven. I'm 23 years old, so I just turned 23. I live in New York City right now. I've been here for about four years. I'm from Minnesota originally, and then I moved out to go to school at NYU. I graduated during the pandemic, which was not fun. Um, from NYU Gallatin. So I was in this program where you get to make your own major. So I came to the city pursuing fashion and was working in that industry, changed my mind a million times, ended up getting a degree in political communications, environmental justice, and pre-law studies. So that's where I ended up. But like I said, with graduating the pandemic, the job hunt was kind of a mess um, with Mm -hmm. figuring out everything remote, doing all the virtual um, like interviews, I guess, online, that whole job process was just super taxing. And now kind of what I do for work is a few days ago, I went full-time doing content creation, which is really exciting. Um, for a little bit, I was working at a climate newsletter, which is like talking about climate and environmental justice, weather, but now I'm like, yeah, fully focusing on content on TikTok, Instagram, doing some independent consulting for brands, mostly in the health and wellness space, some fitness, some fashion type companies, politics companies, or like uh, groups as well. But yeah. And then I like mm-hmm. also have a podcast myself. So fellow podcast girly. Um, I run a podcast called What the Fuck is CMOS? Debunking the Wild World of Wellness with my best friend, Emma. And we've had that for over a year now. So do that as well. Wow. I feel like fashion to like politics and like all that, like that's like a, such a big change. What 
led you to realize like that's what you wanted to change into you said you changed a bunch of times Mm -hmm. I feel like also I know you're super passionate about like climate change and like sustainability so like fashion is like known for being like fast fashion and like being a huge like issue with sustainability so I would love to know like what made you want fashion originally and then how did you come to terms of switching and all that yeah um exactly like that I think I came to the city with the diverging interests because I was in the school where you get to make one major and I knew that I would have the freedom to study both things at the same time I was kind of turned off by deciding my major and like let's say going to business school or going to a really binary career choice like right off the bat Mm -hmm. when I was 18 so I was interested in fashion from a sustainability lens like got really into thrifting and kind of those conversations when I was in high school um, I was a senior in high school during the 2016 election in the United States, so that shifted a lot, I think, of the media. Like Teen Vogue specifically was a huge influence for me, how they started to cover politics and integrate that. And it kind of gave me this lens that, yeah, I can do both. Like you can be someone that's interested in fashion and also that doesn't minimize your intellect in any type of way. Like you still are able to fully mm-hmm. write about all things. I thought for a long time I was going to be a writer. I had a newsletter for a very long time. So working in fashion, I think I was on the wrong side of it. I really wonder like if I would have ended up perhaps doing fashion writing off the bat, if I would have stayed in that, you know, career gamut, Mm -hmm. but I was working in fashion production and like, obviously being an 18 year old intern, it was just like a lot of sales in Excel. And I was like, this is not really creative. It's not stimulating for me. And then I had this one professor that like, I feel like a lot of people talk about like, I had one professor that changed my life, but I very much did. Yes. I, still, I still keep in contact with her today. We're like Facebook friends. She wished me happy birthday. Like, thanks, Christine. Um, <laughs> I, ended, I ended up in her class. Well, I played volleyball at NYU as well. So it was really difficult to get classes that didn't conflict with volleyball practices. And so I, I remember that my freshman year, first semester, I ended up in this class called Law and Society. And since the program I was in didn't have requirements, you could take whatever, like, 800 level or 100 level so I was like oh fuck this class is all juniors and seniors like great I'm a freshman and I'm gonna get an F in my first semester at NYU awesome love this for me like my perfectionist (laughs) brain was rambling freaking out and I ended up in this class and she was just such a good mentor to me I remember I came to her office hours like the first few weeks crying I was like I'm in your class and I I don't really know what I'm doing and she was like yeah you do you are like one of the best students like what are you fucking talking about so that kind of ignited my belief in myself that um, you know still working on I think we all have our own like self-image or confidence or imposter syndrome whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. but she was just a really guiding force to realize that like yeah I am very good at communicating about politics and that's something I should pursue so then from that point I worked across I worked at a government tech startup I worked at the National Organization for Women Um, so did a few things in politics and then yeah graduated in the pandemic with this podcast and health and wellness so like didn't really I still feel like I don't really know if I'm using my degree or not to a degree like or to an extent I guess (laughs) but um yeah that was like sort of my jumping around but I really liked the program that I was in that I was able to jump around and like not feel tied down to one interest so Mm -hmm. most I was as I was saying with content like definitely politics and environmentalism and all of that kind of informs how I view producing content as well Uh, which is kind of hard to wrestle with because it's like okay I'm just simping for brands all day um you know it feels like I'm just like a little Mm -hmm. capitalist person like doing all this stuff so trying to look at it from yeah how I can add value to like brands now that I'm doing this full-time yeah so I actually want to touch on that a little bit how do you balance working with brands and then also still like staying true to your values and like wanting to be sustainable and work with brands that share those same like values and missions that you do because I know it can be really hard like you can get contacted by all these brands and especially like Princess Polly and like Revolve and like all those brands are like huge in the influencer space, especially when it comes to fashion. So how do you navigate that and like make sure that the brands you're working with really align with who you are and like what you value? Yeah, I wanted to make a full TikTok about this because I've gotten a few questions about it as well. Because I think people look at my TikTok and Instagram and say like, how are you able to do this as a full-time thing? Because people with maybe four times the amount of followers are just at the point where they're able to go full-time and I don't have any agency or manager. I've been able to like build this myself. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to like managing my own, I would say like clients or brands, whatever the hell I work with, I would say about 80% of the things that get sent to my inbox go straight to the trash. It's promoting fast fashion. There's no like ethics sustainability on their page. Like I've said no to Princess Polly. Like I'm not producing your shit, you know, matter how, matter how much you want to pay me, no thank you. And that's why I really didn't feel comfortable 
going full-time with content until I felt like I had enough brands that I actually supported to support me financially. And that's been something that's been difficult because I think if you're first starting out, like you're not going to be able to make enough money. That's going to be a full-time career. And then also you're not going to have the breadth of brands you actually want to work with. Mm -hmm. So that's like the the area that's been just like a, a, a really ongoing process to figure that out. Um, in terms of like how I would say I align with brands, I definitely try to know the founder's story. Like that informs a lot of how I think I view the brand. Like, are they just producing a product to produce a product specifically in the health and wellness space? I feel like it's Mm -hmm. bloated by a lot of companies that are just existing to exist for no Mm -hmm. good reason. Right. Um, and the two of the biggest ones that I work with ritual and seed who are both, uh, supplement companies, their Love ethics them. and the, yeah, and their commitment to sustainability and just transparency on their social media has been a reason why I've taken their products for four years and then slowly, slowly started working with the brand. So that's kind of how, and like Outdoor Voices is another one that I've worked with. I worked at the store as a retail employee, Hoka is a company I've run in. So I think for me, I've been able to have this sort of like low follower count and be able to do this because they're brands that I actually, actually use. Um, and also I think an, an interesting part of it too, that, you know, I think some influencers, like maybe they do their one like cringy, you know, content, like branded content and it's clearly branded, mm-hmm. clearly ad driven. I think I've diversified my income stream so much and worked with so many brands that it's maybe not obvious. Like, I mean, sometimes to me too, and I'm like thinking about finances, I'm like, okay, where's my money coming from? Like what the, I got to send an invoice here. I got to do this. So for me, it's been really helpful to just have a wide swath of brands versus being like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get. $10,000 from Princess Polly that's going to cover me for two months. Like I would rather work with like 12 brands and that might be stressful to some people, but I think that's how I've been able to make this like very, very niche like content thing work and also feel like I'm not compromising my ethics. So yeah, it's still, it's still difficult, I think, to figure that out. Cause at the end of the day, it's like, you got to make money somehow, but yeah, you know, yeah. And then like, how would you navigate PR? Because I even know like I become like best friends with certain brands and like they want to send me continuous PR and I've actually had to say to certain brands like please email me before you send out the PR so I can accept or decline because I don't want to waste the product. I don't want the product to just be sitting here. Of course like I I always try to donate or give it to my friends or someone in need but like sometimes like there's so much PR so is there a way that you've like found to navigate that or have you struggled with that at all? I've I've not gotten that much PR like where it's like the automatic mailers. I think most times brands will say like, do you want to get this or whatever? If not, I've definitely done the donations to women's shelters for specifically like Mm -hmm. beauty and makeup products because I'm like not much of a makeup guru person that I feel like I don't know how to use some products. (laughs) Um, Or like, like there's so many body lotions. And once again, every, every sector, there's just so many products that are trying to stand out. And I get, I get their perspective, right? They want to just put it on an influencer and like, that's how they're going to sell their product. But like you were saying, it does feel over consumer consumeristic and just like, it feels gross to take that many products. So I think most of the time Mm -hmm. I will say something like, in order to like reduce my like footprint, I don't want to accept or like, thank you for thinking of me, but I'm trying to scale back like how many things I'm receiving. Um, that's normally like the can thing I'll say and just like, yeah, making sure I'll actually use the product like you were mentioning. But that's something that is so crazy. Just thinking about like the haves and have nots of like how willing they are just to send free product. Like as someone who's yeah. in the very, very early stages of launching a company is with my best friend. Um, I'm like, how the hell do these people have money to just send product everywhere? Like that's, it's crazy to me that they can just throw free product, but yeah, that kind of answers that. Yeah. It's crazy. There is this one PR agency that just kept sending me product without like notice, nothing. And I'm like, and it wasn't like just like one bottle of the product. It would be like three toners. I'm like, I don't need three toners. Like, thank you. But like, I don't need this. <laughs> yeah. And it also, it puts you in a weird spot because you're like, I don't want to be rude to this brand. I'm not like against yeah. the whole cycle of it, like you're mentioning. Yeah. Okay. So talk a little bit more about like CMOS girlies and like that whole like meme page and the podcast and everything. Like how did it start? What was the reasoning behind it? Yeah. I'd love to hear more about it. Yeah, of course. Um, so my best friend, Emma and I, we became really close through a few things. One, we were both vegan and that was like a really isolating fact for us. Just eating out socially. A lot of people didn't get Mm -hmm. it or like the the ethics, the environmental reasons behind it, whatever. Two, true introverts. Like we both lived in New York city. We were both in school. She went to the fashion Institute. I went to NYU. 
we were it, friends with the same people, but we were like, I like going to bed at 10 and being alone most of the time. I don't love drinking. I don't love going out. And so we found each other. And that was like a huge, just like, I think changed our both, both of our lives that we felt like I have someone to lean into that really gets mm-hmm. me. And it's like this beautiful friendship. So we had so much in common. And another one of the things that really brought us together is we both had eating disorders in high school. And that was like a huge, huge isolating experience, specifically like for both of us, obviously, but speaking for myself, um, never felt like I could have anyone to talk to outside of like family or my therapist. Like I'm not going to bring it up and like spring it upon random people. Mm-hmm. But I remember when we first, I would say this one day when we like became best friends, it came up somehow. It came up that we both had it and we just were talking for like three hours after that. And it was just like, oh my God, I think I've met my best friend. Like I think we knew each other vaguely before this dinner, but then at that point I was like, this is it. Like this is my friend. So we'd been friends for a few years and always joked about how we like always go grocery shopping and like buy the same things. We always would record like those little voice messages via iMessage back and forth mm-hmm. voice memos and like rant about what happened at the grocery store. Like they were out of this peanut butter or like, oh my God, there was like a sale. You should go get this thing. Um, and at that point it was in the middle of the pandemic. It was last Thanksgiving. We were both in the city, like didn't get to go home to see our family walking around. The city was dead. It was cold outside. And we were thinking, we're like, oh my God, we listen to all these podcasts in the health and wellness space. One, they're all these old white dude doctors that are talking over the general mm-hmm. person's knowledge just about, you know, the PHA axis and this and inflammation and all this stuff. And it's in such a scientific degree, it's not accessible. Two, no young voices. Everyone is 40 and has been a medical practitioner. There's not like this mm-hmm. new, most, most wellness companies, once again, have been founded by someone that's probably a millennial. There's not really anyone in the Gen Z space. And if they are, yeah. they're probably a wellness blogger. They're probably, they don't really have a, a conversation that's outside of their own, you know, place as an influencer. And yes. like also aware that I am an influencer as well. So like, that's something that I've dealt with as well having this like podcast community like kind of viewing CMOS girly as my own content in different spheres though there is some Mm -hmm. like overlap between them so we were thinking like we should just start a podcast like we're both about to graduate college we both love health and wellness but we both don't I don't know if this is going to be our career right like both Emma studied fashion and I studied politics so we were like I don't know if I can bank on this being my job but let's just do it for fun so we started podcasting and the meme page was like I don't know how that started. I'm going to try to figure out why we started a meme page. I think we we started screenshotting. Actually, the podcast used to be broader than just health and wellness. It was about lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And then we realized like okay. 90% of our life is about health and wellness. So we should just make, we made one podcast called Wellness is Fucked. It was like episode six or seven. And it did really well, just like across our own socials and our own friends. We're like, yeah, you guys should just talk about health and wellness. Like the podcast used to be called Voice Memo, the first six episodes. We did one about like dating apps and one about New York City or something, whatever the fuck. But at that point, we pivoted over to being about health and wellness because we were like, yeah, health and wellness is bogus. All these juice cleanses, these detoxes, all these dumb brands, like that's what we oh want to do. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And like the meme page, I think we to a point where we're like, wow, all of us feel the same thing when you are on Instagram and you get the targeted ads for apple cider vinegar gummies that are going to change your waistline or like the what I eat in the day video, all this cringe content that exists in the health and wellness space that is like in such an elitist exclusive way. We wanted to break through that noise. And I don't think we found anyone in the health and wellness space that was really talking about how nonsense half of it is, like how exclusionary, how expensive half the shit is, right? Like It's so make- expensive. <laughs> right. And like we make memes about like how expensive Erewhon is and all these supplements and like you have to be the perfect, like goop is a perfect fucking example. We did a whole episode. I hate goop. goop. <laughs> yeah, goop. exactly. And so we started posting memes and realized that like, yeah, everyone has these same fucking issues. Like everyone like, you know, wants to participate in health and wellness to a degree, but there is this just general noise that populates so much of the industry. Right. And with consumerism too, like Mm -hmm. it's just a lot about products and not really about things like how do you actually feel? Do you have a community? Do you have a support network that cares about you? Cause that's going to play so much in the more than health and wellness than your collagen supplement. Right. So we were making memes, mm-hmm. making memes, making memes, doing the podcast, you know, some were educational, some were a little bit more just like, you know, funny about how stupid goop is. And I got approached by a former Glossier uh, employee who was like, hey, Kate, I want to approach you about this new app we're launching. It's called Geneva. Um, we want you to kind of think about like the communities that you curate on the internet and maybe if it would be applicable. At that time, I was writing a political newsletter. And so she approached me, her name's Kim Johnson. She approached me originally to have some sort of like Gen Z politics group chat type thing. 
and it, we were on this call and I was like, you know, I have this podcast with my friend Emma. We have this meme page and everyone comments on our memes and I have no idea who these people are, right? Like we have thousands of mm-hmm. people that are really relating to my memes about spirulina. I want to know who these people <laughs> are. How old are they? Where do they live? You know, what's their grocery list like? What supplements are they shopping mm-hmm. for? So I was talking to Kim and I was like, I would love to launch this platform to bring all of these meme page people that hate wellness together. So mm-hmm. at that point, it was March of 2021. So this past, this past year? It this, seems like, yeah. Wow. Oh my God. Wow. That's crazy. I'm like, I thought it was last year. Um, so yeah, this year we started our community platform, got 400 people signed on overnight. And kind of how I would describe wow. it is like very similar to Discord. It's just like a big group chat. And Emma and I at that point like sat down and we're like, how do we want to curate this to make sure it's not a toxic wellness community, which I think everyone kind of knows what I'm talking about, where it's just yes. like, do this detox, talking about weight loss, all this body image, like bullshit. Um, and having Emma and I too, both having come from eating disorders, right? Like we want to curate something that I wish that I had when I was 15, like a community of people mm-hmm. that can talk about wellness in a way. And so we set a lot of guidelines in the app when you first download it, like make sure you put a trigger warning if you want to, you know, ask about your eating disorder or like open up to people about it. Um, and we created different channels. One of them was like groceries, you know, recipes, show what you were making, supplement wellness questions, and then general like advice chat questions. Mm-hmm. Got a little bit more specific. We started making regional chats. Like we have one with like all the UK girlies, Australia, Canada, whatever. So it's gotten to a point where <laughs> I wish we had like a social media manager to run our Geneva because it's pretty crazy. But I think the most mm-hmm. horrifying part of it or the best part of it rewarding part of it is that Emma and I, who are like technically the founders of it, we've created this community and created this meme page now almost up to 20,000 followers where it exists and people don't know who's behind it, right? Like people listen to the podcast and know it's us, but the meme page and the community, they just exist organically and we don't have to be there. And that's what I love the most about it. Cause I think a lot of, I've gotten asked a lot, like Kate, why don't you have your own podcast? Like the Kate Glavin podcast or something like start something in your own name. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. could probably, but it feels so much more rewarding that I can create this space for people to live and I don't have to be there. And it's not about me, right? Like it is about these people getting resources about health and wellness, Mm -hmm. having these things, if they're struggling with an eating disorder or they go to college and they hate their dining plan or something like that, being able to create that and just step away is just like so, so great about it. And obviously the meme page too, like realizing how many people hate the same people or have been triggered by freely the banana (laughs) girl. Like that's all like funny stuff. (laughs) Um, But it's just been fun, I think, to see like all these common, like I was saying, these common issues in health and wellness and hopefully shed light on them. And the podcast gets a little bit more like informational. I would say my favorite podcast episodes we've done is we've done. Being super busy can make it really easy to fall into a dinner time recipe rut or even with your lunches. Any meal, honestly, can get you into a rut, especially with a busy schedule this fall. You can keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every single week. So there's always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. It's truly a no-brainer. It does all the shopping and meal planning for you. Ingredients arrive at your doorstep pre-proportioned and ready to cook along with pictured step-by-step recipe cards. It's never been easier. I personally love HelloFresh as a way to get exposure to new recipes, make my life a bit easier as a busy 20-year-old in the city, and I love that it's worry-free, it's super easy, it's convenient, and gets delivered straight to my door. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Ray and use code 50Ray for 50% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash 50RAE and use code 50RAE50RAE for 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. And thank you for sponsoring today's episode of Morning Ray. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Six or seven on food and climate change. So thinking about, like, 
how fish is affected by climate change, what foods are going to go away on a warming planet, like chocolate and what we're not going to be able to um, have access to anymore. Obviously talking about sustainability and veganism and like, what's the best thing to do, like voting with your dollar ethos. So those, those are like the topics that the podcast has kind of been talking about. And yeah, it's just been really awesome. I think to curate this community. I love that so much. And like, it's, I think it's really nice that like, it's like you built this community and like you, you set it up for success and now it can kind of just like run on its own. I have a friend who is a couple years older than me and I see her like sharing like the memes from the page all the time. And I feel like, I mean, I don't know if she knows who you are, but she clearly knows who the page is and clearly is relating to it. Yeah. Like she literally just shares them. I'm like, I know who's behind this page. And like, I feel like she doesn't even know, but like, I love that so much because then it, it kind of allows it to grow into something bigger and it doesn't have to be connected into like your day-to-day life. I feel Mm. like that's the issue with like a lot of like, influencers or like people in like the spotlight creating like brands or communities it's so connected to them and like what's going on in their life and this like really allows like people to connect all around the world and realize like we all go through like the same struggles Mm -hmm. and like issues and concerns with wellness and our own well-being um which is amazing like you were saying, I think is difficult too. Cause while I also have like my own social platforms that I now do full time, it is hard. It's like, I was making a joke to someone about this this morning. Like if I wake up and I'm my own boss and let's say my own boss and my head is depressed today, like I still got to put on a smile and probably go make some content. Right. But the whole mm-hmm. meme page and the podcast and that community can still like, get, exist without me or influencing too. Yeah. I think the risks of it is like, you're kind of like a child actor where you know, you're only really as effective or can probably have so many brands deals as young as you are, as pretty as you are, whatever. And so this Mm -hmm. can kind of exist, like, regardless of what Emma and I do in our spare time, like you were saying. Yeah, it's sustainable. Yeah, for sure. If you want to put it that way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'd love for you to define, like, exactly what wellness means to you. Um, and then how do you kind of navigate, like, the toxic side of diet culture and, like, er- certain areas of wellness, like, having to, like, be able to afford all, like, these supplements? Because I feel like a lot of people connect that to what wellness is, and it, I really don't think it is. You can have wellness totally. without that. So I'd love to hear more about that. Totally. Um, I think this is a – ongoing I feel like dialogue I have with myself just because now that I'm kind of more visible in the health and wellness place or like the person behind the meme page or the person with the podcast or you know an ambassador for companies it's changed Mm -hmm. a little bit but I think originally my introduction into health and wellness broadly was healing my eating disorder and I think that is a really rough area because you know you want to be healthy you want to be well but like you have like my fitness pal on your phone or something like that or you're going vegan or you're gluten free or you want to quote like eat drink the green juice but you're still coming from a place of needing to heal and so i'd been through mm-hmm. like plenty of therapy and dealt with all of that and so i was vegan for a while and like my introduction into wellness was when i first looked up like if i'm vegan am i going to be deficient in anything and you know just doing a bare minimum of research i was like oh shit yeah b12 and vitamin d are going to be big ones that i should probably supplement for and that's when I found mm-hmm. Ritual Multivitamin, which I take now and I work with the company because I was like, oh yeah, like this is really interesting that you can take these supplements to resolve, you know, inner issues. Then I read a lot of books by Mark Hyman, who is like kind of problematic, but some of his stuff sticks with me <laughs> to this day, um, talking about like food and climate change and our soils depleted. And, you know, even if you're eating broccoli, it's not the same broccoli that our ancestors were eating. Mm-hmm. So that really challenged, I think, how I thought about food and climate change. And then from that point, I think with wellness too, like you're saying, the marketplace is so buzzy and saturated and you want to try the new mm-hmm. stuff and you want to get what everyone else is getting on, on their Instagram and what's at the next store and all of that. Um, however, for me, I think what's been helpful with the podcast is like wellness is so much more about community and feeling supported and feeling like seen and heard. I have, I never really knew. So like my thesis in college, for example, was all about political power. Like where does power come from? Does it come from inside institutions, i.e. those who run for office or maybe federal judges, or is it coming from outside institutions? So things like activist groups, private organizations. That was kind of like my question I left to myself thinking about what I want to do in the world and thinking about power and community. And I always thought, you know, I'm going to run for office because I want to support the communities that I'm involved in and advocate for them. Mm -hmm. 
now having this podcast community, that is the most, I would say, well, I have felt like I have felt so just connected to other people. And regardless or not, if I'm directly helping them feeling like I am holding this space for them, that has been the most, I would say, like connected to wellness I felt. And I never thought like as a true introvert who goes to bed at 9 p.m. and talks to like one person every day, my best friend, Emma, who I do the podcast with, I don't consider myself to be like an extroverted person that loves social stuff. But having this mm-hmm. community in a place, like you were saying, where the internet, there is so much toxic stuff. It feels like a little escape from the consumerism yes. where we're talking about like mundane stuff. We're talking about how to get friends at college. It's not like, oh, I got this supplement. I wonder if the bioavailability was good enough or whatever the fuck, you know, those conversations, they can exist. And like, I am a consumer. I probably have a lot of wellness products as well, but having the just baseline things about like, why are we trying to get well, you know? Um, there's a really good book I read that kind of talks about wellness and capitalism and it's by Barbara Enrich. It's called natural causes. And it's like the whole wellness industrial complex is a way for us to prolong our life to avoid death. And I read it when my dad had a heart Mm -hmm. attack during the pandemic, because I was thinking like, wow, I'm on this run right now because I want to live longer. Like that's a lot of the reason why you take wellness products is you want a longevity, you want your skin to be better. You want to be able to walk when you're 80. You don't want to have chronic illnesses. Um, so it's interesting to think about like why we're taking what we're taking and why we're purchasing what we're purchasing. And just, I think the biggest part of wellness for me is like making sure that I'm thinking about it, right? Like now that I'm not vegan, okay, so sourcing animals like or sourcing meat, what can I afford? What can I afford? What feels sustainable for my budget and also sustainable for the planet? So I think just having those conversations has been like the most well and having that community that I've like probably felt. I love that so much. And I always see you posting about running and I want to say that like you were actually one of the few people that inspired me to start running. So I just wanted to let you know that. Um, But how did you get into running? Um, And like, is that like your favorite form of movement or is there something else that you prefer to do alongside it? Yeah, I got into running probably two years ago. So I grew up playing competitive volleyball. I played into college at NYU. So that was my main form of movement that I had growing up. Uh, My mom played professionally. My older sister played into college. And so it was like my second home to go to the gym, you know, lifting, volleyball, Mm -hmm. all that type of stuff. Played into college and it gets to a point of anyone who's played college athletics or just really competitive athletics where you're doing a lot of lifting and you're doing a lot of testing. So volleyball specifically, it was like testing your vertical jump, testing how many push-ups you can do, testing your hang clean, testing your back squat. And it was always in a team environment, right? So you're competing against 12 other people. And in college, it's obviously more competitive. You're competing for playing time. I just started Mm -hmm. to hate movement. I was not the best in the weight room. Um, Always had the lowest vertical jump. You know, I was more of the brains kid than ever, like the kid who can touch the basketball rim. And I was just so annoyed. I was like, I I never felt athletic growing up, despite, you know, being on like the varsity volleyball team since I was in ninth Mm -hmm. grade and playing since I've been in fourth grade. I was like, I'm not an athlete. Like, I'm just not an athlete. I'm the worst kid on the team. This fucking sucks. Um, I quit playing volleyball my junior year of college. And at that point it was like, now I got to figure out how to work out. Like I could just keep doing, you know, the lifting I've been doing my whole life, but I got to do something that feels good for me. Right. I got to do something that's outside mm-hmm. of this team, whatever the trainer wants me to do, how many reps it's like the training when no one's watching. That's exactly what it shifted over to. Um, mm-hmm. My mom ran like she runs probably like every other day. doesn't run anymore. But I remember seeing that growing up and I was like, maybe I'll just try to go on a run. You know, I fucking hated running though, Right. Because it was used for- I hated it too. <laughs> it was used for punishment. Every time you hit the volleyball in the net, you had to run a killer. So I hated it. I was like, this fucking sucks. The first run I went on, I remember I, I, I just sprinted because that's all I knew from volleyball. It was like, run as fast as you can, mm-hmm. beat the girl next to you. Nothing about pacing, nothing about this mind-body connection. Just do it and train and do it until it hurts you, you know? I, it was mm-hmm. in such a toxic masculine athletic environment. So I feel like for the longest of times and just going out to do something for myself was so different. I was like scared. I think it was very like, it's vulnerable to run the first time. Cause you know, you're going to suck. I think anytime you try something new, yes. you're like, I don't even want to do this. I'm not even, gonna, I'm going to trip and look like an elephant down the street. And very much I did. Um, and it became, I think the other aspect I liked about it is too, is that it was outside. So I was able to see New York. I was like, okay, 
I don't really know how far I can run, but I think I want to go to the Statue of Liberty today. Let's just see if I can make it down. If I can't, I'll just city bike back to my dorm or whatever the fuck. So that's became a habit for me. Just as someone who likes my alone time, it became this meditative thing. I was never, quote, good at running. I don't even know what good at running means. Um, a lot of people ask me, like, what are your splits? Do you ever want to run a marathon? And, like, my perspective on why I don't share that is, one, this whole, you know, toxic wellness culture of comparing yourself to what I eat in a day videos, thinking that you need to do all these like challenges and shreds and whatever the fuck. I never want to promote that or be in those environments just because they've harmfully affected me. And then secondly, with um, athletics and just like doing your own thing for once, like that's been what's been so empowering. And I'm like, it doesn't matter how many miles I run, just do it, whatever works in your schedule. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I never really got serious about running until I started working in outdoor voices. And that's when I bought my first pair of Hoka's because Ovi sells Hoka's and I had like a good pair of running shoes. I was like, yeah, I want to do this. And I want this to be the main thing I do. Um, at that point, like, yeah, I started posting more about running and just like thinking more like, yeah, wow, this is a movement I'm finally like a little bit good at. I finally feel like I can control it and it's my escape and mm-hmm. it's a routine and it's something that I can look forward to and it's not a punishment for me. I know that running can be a pretty toxic thing for some people. Like I never grew up obviously doing track or cross country, but I, I'm mm-hmm. very aware that it can be this like competitive, like super toxic environment as well. But for me, it's just like a way to move. It's movement, you know, fitness, whatever you want to call it. But I like calling it movement versus exercise because it doesn't really feel like a chore ever. And then, yeah, now I've been lucky enough to work with Hoka, which is like dream for me. Um, Have been wearing them and just like a fan for a long time. And so it's been really fun, I think, to see. Um, I don't really know what like the future of running is for me. Maybe I will run a marathon and go against my word here. But for now, it's just (laughs) something I like to do. Everyone keeps telling me to run a marathon. and I'm like... Honestly, like I think it would feel incredible to run a marathon, but right now running is very enjoyable for me. Like right. it's not super competitive and I I grew up dancing competitively, so I've had like that whole like dance environment yeah. which is insane breeding ground for so many issues. Yeah. But it's still like an incredible experience, but running is like it doesn't feel like a chore. It's freeing. It's like meditative. Like I don't want to put the pressure of training for a marathon. Yeah. Into the mix I, with that. I totally At least agree. right now. I totally agree. I think I would hate running. I would become my own worst critic. I think if I was competing, like running, it's nice too, because you are competing against yourself. Like just what you did the other mm-hmm. day, the last time you ran, you know, but I would hate that. Like feeling like oh, I need to cut this much off my mile. I need to go more today. It's I've, after someone who's had such a disordered relationship with my body, I don't ever want to put myself there intentionally again. And I, like you were saying, mm-hmm. I think marathon training would probably be that for me just because of my history with all that stuff yeah agreed okay so a listener actually asked me how do you get into long distance running and what do you listen to so that you don't get bored good question um also long distance I feel like I I always joke to my parents I'm like I'm the fakest runner ever I'm not a fake runner but I think people with long distance like I'm never going more than let's say seven or eight miles so I'm not running two hours a day so if that's your cup of tea you're trying to you know hit 10 miles in a day or 15 or something I'm probably not oh my your god advice not me <laughs> yeah no I I try to run probably like three to eight miles whenever I run throughout the week and do other exercises as well um for me a lot I it, it's it's weird sometimes I'll listen to it an album all the way through because right like the artist has curated it in a certain way I don't ever mm-hmm. listen to podcasts like shout out to anyone who can oh my that's god just, no yeah that's too I can do that when I'm lifting yeah I can do it when I'm lifting for some odd reason but if I'm running someone asked me if I listen to podcasts when I'm running I'm like are you kidding me like that's the last thing I want to listen to yeah no I could not listen to someone talk one I would retain nothing from the podcast and two like my run would just be shit like I always have to do music so I have Spotify I have one playlist that I just change stuff up in but I think another issue I ran into is I would always put really fast music or like, oh, I want to run at the rhythm. Like I, I do Soul Cycle as well, mm-hmm. and you and you ride to the beat. And so for a yes. while, I was, I was listening to like, I feel like electronic or maybe like rap music, and like being super busy can make it really easy to fall into a dinner time recipe rut, or even with your lunches. Any meal, honestly, can get you into a rut, especially with a busy schedule this fall. You can keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every single week, so there's always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. It's truly 
a no-brainer. It does all the shopping and meal planning for you. Ingredients arrive at your doorstep pre-proportioned and ready to cook along with pictured step-by-step recipe cards. It's never been easier. I personally love HelloFresh as a way to get exposure to new recipes, make my life a bit easier as a busy 20-year-old in the city. And I love that it's worry-free, it's super easy, it's convenient, and gets delivered straight to my door. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Ray and use code 50Ray for 50% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash 50RAE and use code 50Ray, 50RAE for 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. And thank you for sponsoring today's episode of Morning Ray. Trying to run with the cadence of like the song, which became a mess. Um, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I can run to Taylor Swift and sometimes it's Kanye West. So the range, but yeah, never, never, um, never, never podcast. And I think building up endurance for me, like it's been a lot more about running multiple times throughout the week than running longer. Like I always tell people, I would rather have you run, let's say half of what you want to run three times a week than do like one long run, just because it's a routine, right? Like you're waking up, you're getting your shoes out, you're doing whatever your pre-run ritual is. It just becomes a habit for you versus like betting on yourself and taking that like leap of faith that, yeah, I'm just going to go run 12 miles out of nowhere for no good reason. It doesn't feel sustainable in that habit. So I think the routine I used to, I, when I was in college, just to make sure I was getting like my amount of workouts I wanted to do in, I would write it down like a Sunday of like Monday, I'm going to do this Tuesday. I'll do this Wednesday. I'll take a rest day and making sure that, you know, I was forcing myself to do these things. So that could be another strategy, I guess. Yeah. I like to kind of, even if I don't write it out, like kind of plan out, okay, like on this day, I normally have to align it with hair washing day running. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But like normally like Wednesdays and Sundays I'll like run in the summer. I'll like throw in like a third one. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like this day I'm lifting and it kind of helps. It keeps you on a bit of like a routine, which is really nice. Also, I feel like guys like will just like randomly like decide like, I'm going to go run like 10 miles today. And like, do it like I just don't understand yeah I've I've, I've realized that as well I always see because in New York it's the West Side Highway is like connected to where like finance bros hang out and I feel like some of them honestly Mm -hmm. just go on their lunch break and run as fast as they can for like two minutes and then just like go back inside um yeah the I could talk about (laughs) for out not hours but for a little bit about like all the the running culture on the West Side Highway in New York it's just crazy like when guys like run are running like next to you and they just run to sprint past you and then you catch them walking like 0.3 miles later I'm like what the fuck was the point of that you're like pseudo like macho bullshit to run in front of me (laughs) like I'm going to catch up to you yes correct so that's been another fun thing I think like really forcing myself to challenge like pacing sometimes like I will just race I will be like I want to run faster than that man I'm going to do it (laughs) so that's been something that's fun I know some people love the total like run in the woods by yourself secluded thing but it's not really an option in New York so I just same with Toronto (laughs) yeah sometimes I just chase people if I need to just go a little faster honestly so we have um something called Lakeshore like it's a road but there's like a whole Um, part of the road that's like a bunch of people run on Mm -hmm. um, or they bike or sometimes I see like rollerblading like cool Um, and I'll like see like someone ahead of me and be like I'm gonna pass you and you like challenge yourself it's like a it's like a a video game but in real life and you're running yes it's like Mario Kart correct Yes. On the discussion of men, men are fans. Please elaborate. <laughs> I know. I, I posted a TikTok where I was like that one song, um, like a song where it's like, nobody has to know what it means, but it's provocative, whatever the fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that started, um, I said it off the cuff to a few friends like years ago. Um, my experience with dating has only been through dating apps, unfortunately. Um, I didn't have my first kiss until 20. Yeah, like, moved to New York. I never dated in high school. Um, people that were, like, wilding out with, like, boyfriends in high school, my parents put I never had a boyfriend in high school, still have had, never had a boyfriend, so I'm with you. The only boyfriend I had was, like, for a month, and then I was like, this was not even it, so it's all fake out there. Um... So yeah, I was like, oh my God, all these men that I go on dates with, they're just fans. Like the most vivid example was one time when I was, I don't know what year in college, I showed up to this date and 
this is also an issue that I've run into now more with TikTok, just having a social media presence and how that goes with dating, uh, especially like meeting someone mm-hmm. through a dating app. Um, but this guy was like, so, and I used to write a newsletter about politics and just talk about like what was happening in the news and do like an explainer to like my peers. Cause a lot of my friends asked like, Kate, you know, so much about politics. Can you like write a weekly thing? And I was like, yeah, of course, for sure. So this guy shows up to the date and he's like, I read your newsletter last week. And I thought in the second paragraph, when you talked about the democratic primary that you didn't, and I looked at him and I was like, we're kidding. We're kidding. You're going to be a grammar police on a date. Like what the fuck? Also, why why are you reading my writing? You are such a fan of me. This is like embarrassing for you. Um, and I think that came up more and more with like social media where guys would be like, Oh, you have an Instagram. Like, wow, I'm such a fan of your content. I'm like, (laughs) what it happens <laughs> yeah it's so it's so prevalent i think there's probably a lot of like girls can that can relate to that now with like social media and just how like weird men are on the internet mm-hmm. <laughs> so i was just like i would always tell my friends dating recaps um i was a chronic user of like the close friends story for a while i don't post on that anymore but when i was in college i would just like dating recap and people would be like what guy are you talking about? And I was like at the point of like going. That was me this summer. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I was in like a dating bender where I would just like go on so many, so many dates and everyone's like, which guy? And I was like, doesn't matter. (laughs) It's all a plot. You know, I'm the main character. They're just, they're just here. So yeah, then the men are fans thing. I would say it was like the bachelorette. Right. (laughs) Like they didn't know it. He's bachelorette. (laughs) Yeah. And so I, yeah, I feel like a lot of girls too have that with dating apps where it's like just a mess in a half. I mean, guys as well, and everyone as well on the spectrum, and however you date and what partners you seek out. But then in the the beginning of the pandemic, I was bored as fuck, and I went through my Instagram, and I was looking at, like, old stuff, and I was like, oh my god. And I downloaded a lot of the videos that were, like, me talking about dates, and I made, I, like, went into iMovie and, like, made a compilation, (laughs) and I called it Men Are Fans, and I posted it on my Instagram, and I was like, you guys might know me from, like, my political content, but, like, the general public probably doesn't know that I'm, like, a chronic dating app user. Like, I go on a lot of dates, and none of it ends well. And I just remember I got like so many fucking comments. People were like, Kate, you're hilarious. What what is this whole like men are fans thing? I just thought you were like the nerdy girl that talks about the constitution. Like, what? So I posted that Who video. Is she? Yeah. And then people wanted to see more. And then now it's become like a bit entirely that people like associated me with that phrase. I made myself a hat. And then of course, like, you know, I wanted to make like one hat. People were like, sell the hats. And I was like, I guess I can if you want to wear a men are fans hat. But <laughs> for me, what men are fans mean, it's like this idea that, you know, I'm a single independent girl boss, girl boss parentheses, ironically, like using that as a joke, um, you know, living my own life. I don't need a man. I'm good on my own. Like I've never had a, a man. I'm not like a dependent person really, but you mm-hmm. know, I crave validation from just the most, the most basic ass men that are just average, below average gutter level men. Right. It's this binary between like, I, I have this like type A perfectionist drive. I do all these great things yet. Like dating is so hard for me. And I just am accepting of the most average loser. And I still get rejected by the most average loser. So for me, I think it's been, like, a, yeah, it's been a coping mechanism to just deal with the fact that like dating in your twenties is hard to just say that like, yeah, men are fans, whatever the fuck. Like I don't need a man, you know, like I'm not trying to get married right now. So men are just fans of me and that's it. But it's all ironic because, like, men are actually not fans of me. Like, I I had to check my demographics for TikTok and Instagram, and I have 4% men following me. It's, like, 90%, 96% women. So men are not fans of what I say on the internet. (laughs) They hate it. But it's just, yeah, it's it's a fun way to pass time in your 20s when the dating stuff is not so fun. I love that so much. And I'm going to ask you two more questions before we wrap it up. Cool. What is the best way to get men to take your political opinion seriously, even if they're the uneducated ones, but they have the audacity to try to act smarter than you or more educated? Well, I actually went on a date yesterday where I ended and it was not good. <laughs> the guy left and he goes, oh, yeah, you might actually be smarter than me. And I was just saying all this type of bullshit stuff. And I was like, wow. And he was like, you know, I'm playing devil's advocate here, right? And I was like, trust me, I've been around enough straight men to know that's what all you guys do. Um, it was a really painful date. I was just like this whole time. I was like, this guy is just being serious, like about his, like, you know, just making these points about like, what if I was offensive for no reason? And I was just talking about all this shit. But for me, it's like a lot of having a comp with anything with politics, with argumentation for me, it's about having some sort of thing that the other person cares about. Right. Like if you're talking to me about geography or like skateboarding, like, I don't know (laughs) stuff that I don't care about or like rocks or frogs. 
what is my stake in caring about what you're saying, right? So if you're talking about climate change, like thinking about a finance bro, like how is that probably going to affect him? And it does suck that you have to stoop down to always like cater to whatever the person like cares about, but that's just like basic, Mm -hmm. you know, conversation and stuff. So I always try to, at least if it's on like a first date, I try to like figure out obviously things they care about or like family members or whatever. Um, And that's kind of how I start like arguments and stuff. If if, if, if politics does come (laughs) up, But I think I wear my heart on my sleeve where people know that I'm, like, pretty political probably before going on a first date with me. Um, So, yeah, I think there's one time I was on a date with a conservative guy and I was negging him because – or accidentally conservative. Like, I didn't really know um, that he was super conservative. And I was saying all this stuff like, yeah, you know, men are just so oppressed. It's so hard to be a man. And I thought we were, like, joking and being buddies. And then it turns out, like, Mm -hmm. no, he was actually serious. So then I was like, mm, I gotta go just watch some paint dry or like clip my toenails. Like I can't really be here anymore. <laughs> so I think like having boundaries with politics and like realizing if guys are just being douchey devil's advocates or like actually mm-hmm. are just uneducated and just, yeah, speaking from your heart, I guess. I love that. I hope that helps someone who's listening. <laughs> yeah, just tell them to go fuck themselves and their fans. <laughs> <laughs> And a book, a podcast, news, or other climate environment recommendations that you can leave the listeners with? Yes. Favorite. Um, The book that changed my mind about climate change a lot or, like, made me feel like I had a stake in the fight for climate change because I'm not a science person. Like, I fucking sucked at all those classes in elementary school, middle school, Mm -hmm. high school, whatever the fuck. Um, It's a book called The Uninhabitable Earth by David Wallace-Wells. He is the climate correspondent for The New Yorker. And I mean, I hate that I'm giving a book that's written by a white man, but this was just a book that hit me at the right point. He talks about climate change and every chapter is talking about a different sector of the economy or the world. That's how it's going to be impacted by climate change. And so he breaks it down in a way that is not just hitting you with numbers from the United Nations, like the 1.5 degree versus two degree warming. Like having worked in climate communications for six months, I still don't really, I'm not able to grasp that. Like if the sea level Mm -hmm. rises by this many feet, that means nothing to me. So he connects a lot of these to like human rights issues or things that you have um, dealt with in your day. And it really changed my perspective on food and climate change, transportation, fashion, which I felt like I already knew a lot about, but it really pushed me to think about like, damn, if we don't solve climate change, everything else is fucked. So he does a really good job of intertwining all these like crises together in a very accessible way, not a scientific nerdy way. Okay, awesome. I'm going to pick that one up. And what's one piece of advice you want to leave the listeners with? If they didn't listen to anything of this episode, (laughs) if they take this one piece, what would it be? (laughs) Yes. Um, I would say this is something that is a constant question I like challenge myself about. Um, Control, obviously, is something that's really hard. I think we all try to control how we look, our diet, thinking that some new fitness is going to change our life, thinking that controlling a relationship or controlling anything else. Um, it's natural to want control over life and what's going to happen and the unexpected. But for me, at least, I think I've allowed myself to change my mind and not try to wrap everything up in a bow. Um, when I was in school, that was something I struggled with. I was like, why am I studying fashion and also studying, you know, economics or law or something like that? You know, why am I going on these dates with these guys and also trying to do this? And it never cognitively made sense to me. But I think now I've started to realize that like, yeah, there's beauty in really having all of these diverging interests and they don't have to make sense. You don't have to just be, all I do is I go to my job and I do this one thing and I do this one interest. Like, I think the most interesting people are people that have a diverse range of interests and might be mediocre Mm -hmm. at some of them. Like I gave up on a lot of my passions growing up. I stopped playing the guitar. I stopped doing art. You know, a lot of these things that now I've started to pick up again. And I'm like, Kate, it doesn't matter if you're not a marathon runner, you still can go on a run, right? So Mm -hmm. allowing yourself, I think, to have interests is going to be what makes you unique and you should not like minimize those at over. So that's something I wish that I had when I was younger. And I think, yeah, just tap into whatever, whatever is making you feel inspired or passionate. I love that so much because I feel like there's so much pressure to always be amazing at whatever you do do. But I feel like that's so not the case. You don't need to be. And like, it's always more interesting when you figure out about like a weird passion or interest that someone has. Like first dates are always so exciting when someone's like, oh yeah, I actually make my own kombucha from scratch. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I had one of those. I love that for you. (laughs) Um, 
but like I love when it comes up when someone's like oh I'm actually I know how to do Irish dancing I'm like oh random but that makes you so much cooler so definitely don't like yeah mm-hmm. let the side hobbies and things go you don't need to hustle for capitalism all day so yeah I love that and where can the listeners find you Yes. So my handles will all just be like at Kate Glavin, my name. I'm pretty boring. And then podcast is called What the Fuck is CMOS. And our meme, the meme page that goes along with that is CMOS Girlies. And our community platform is like linked all on the meme page and stuff. So if you want a non-toxic wellness group chat, that's kind of how I describe it. Um, you can join <laughs> our Geneva platform and get set up with some wellness besties. So yeah. That's that. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on the pod. It was a pleasure having you on. I hope the listeners enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed the conversation. Yay, it was super fun. Thank you for having me. Of course. If you guys like this episode of Morning Ray, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And I love you guys so much, and we'll chat soon. Bye, guys. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.